The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod, and we are coming to you from the Warner Center in Woodland Hills, California. This is the home for Autism Live. It is also the home for the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. We're thrilled to be here with you on this wonderful Monday morning. Uh, we are going to be with you for the next hour, and uh, just like you know, fasten the seatbelt and and cinch it on up, because we're going to go on this really amazing ride today. We've got two very inspirational and uh, I'm, you're just going to love these two gentlemen that we're having on the show. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, you know, at the start of the show, we always like for um, Traven to show you a bunch of different ways that you can interact and no more important than today because I know you're going to want to interact. So he's going to show you a bunch of different ways that you can not only watch the show, but that you can have your questions seen and asked and heard. Um, and um, you know, there's not one way because we know that all of you have different ways that you like to watch. By the way, if there's a way that you like to watch podcasts and we don't have it, please bring it to our attention. It might be that we just don't know about it, right? We do have the criteria that we like for the show to be able to be viewed for free um, because we really hope to make this accessible to as many people as possible. Look, the mission we're on is to inform and to inspire. We want to give you information and inspiration. That's what it's all about here. Um, and by the way, we welcome the greater autism community, which is not only the people who are on the autism spectrum, but most especially them, right? But everyone who loves and cares about them as well. That's what we're about here. When we say autism community, that's who we're talking about because we want to get there together um, to create a world and, and resources that show respect and the uphold the dignity of each individual who is on the autism spectrum and gives them the resources to do the things that they want to do. That's what we're about here. Uh, okay, so um, so please interact with us. Uh, this show is meant to be interactive. We, you're as much a part of it as anybody else is, so please participate uh, and let us know what you want to see more of. But you guys have asked in the past to um, show more self-advocates, and we got you. This is, this is happening. So um, we heard it. We, we thought it was important, too, and we put some uh, time and energy into that, and you're going to meet two of the most spectacular young men on the face of the planet in just a few minutes. But before that, we got some business that we have to take care of. I do like to remind you that uh, on, on several of the days that we have time, that we're going to have lots of great guests and lots of great experts on the show. Don't pick me. I'm not one of the experts, right? Um, but I am an autism mom, a proud autism mom, who has been hosting shows about autism for over a decade. So I, you know, while not an expert, I like to cut myself some slack and say that I have a somewhat informed opinion, right? 
<laughs> but, uh, but that's what I've got is the somewhat informed opinion, and we do invite experts to be here to answer your questions so that you get more of an expert answer. Makes sense? I hope so. Uh, we do like to start Mondays off with something we fondly refer to as the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym that's making us crazy, and we try to figure out what in the hey, nani nani, are the experts talking about? We take the actual definition, hopefully we make great fun of it because often that's all we can do, and then we give you the working definition, uh, which hopefully will help to begin uh, to have you begin to understand what this term means and why it's important to you. So today's term, it's one of my favorites, errorless learning. Uh, so errorless learning kind of sounds like what it is, but let's talk about it in the larger context of autism and ABA. So let's take a look at our actual definition of errorless learning. Errorless learning, an instructional design introduced by psychologist B.F. Skinner in the 1930s as part of his studies on what would make the most effective learning environment. Skinner said errors are not necessary for learning to occur. As a former teacher, uh, you know, I am no longer a fan of Skinner since I heard Temple Grandin's Me Too story about Skinner, which, you know, if you have questions about that, refer to that. Um, but, you know, I know a lot of people who just think that the sun rises and sets in Skinner, and I say, ha, puh, tuh. But um, I still embrace ABA and some of the concepts that Skinner put forward, and this is certainly one of them. Errors don't have to occur in order for somebody to learn. Learning doesn't have to be painful. In fact, one of the things that we've learned over the years is that when, when learning is pleasurable, it takes place at a faster rate and more gets accomplished. So that's, that's our uh, actual definition. Let's take a look at our working definition of errorless learning. It's a teaching process. There are teaching processes that are specifically designed so the learner does not have to and does not make mistakes as they learn new information. So <clears throat> what does that actually look like and what are we talking about, especially with individuals who are on the autism spectrum. And by the way, the concept of errorless learning stays the same, but the way in which you do it changes depending upon the age and capability of the individual that you're working with. And notice that I did not say the person on the autism spectrum. Um, because as a teacher, you can use this concept with people who are 98, you can use it for people who are 48, you can use it for people who are eight. Uh, regardless of their ability, you can use it. It just means that you might tweak, in fact, how you do it. Now, if you have a young kiddo who's on the autism spectrum, one of the first things that you're gonna see uh, as they begin to work on language operants, right? Um, they're going to do something at some point. It's, it's the thing that I most make fun of. Usually it's a car or something that's meaningful to a child. I'm going to move all the stuff out of my way, but right now I'm just going to use the cup. And if I'm trying to teach the language operant, the word for the, you know, I want to teach the word cup. And so I've got a bunch of different ways that I need for people to understand cup, right? Because if I just learn the label cup, that's not really going to help me with true language. I need to know, um, that this is a cup. I need to be able to convey that it's a cup, but when you say cup, I need to understand that it's a cup. I need to be able to match it with another cup. I need to be able to identify a cup even when we're not talking about a cup, right? And if I, if I need to start a conversation about something, um, you know, I, I, I need to be able to pull cup up into my brain and into my 
communication, even if it's not verbal communication, to be able to convey cup when it's appropriate and to understand it when it's appropriate. So a lot of times you'll see therapists start very clearly with, and usually, as I said, it's a car or something else that's meaningful to the child, and they put it down on the table and they say, touch car or touch cup in this case. So they'd say, touch cup. And, and in fact, they would take the child's hand and put it on the cup and go, yay, good, good, it's a cup. Good touching the cup. So we did not leave room for there to be an error, right? Uh, we said cup and there's nothing else here, but I would have the whole desk cleared off if I were doing this exactly right. And there would only be the cup and I would say touch cup. And if there's no movement happening, I would gently guide and go, yay, and give reinforcement. So I got it right. I got the right answer. I didn't have to put forth a lot of effort. Now, you know, uh, first thing we would want to do is fade out the, the, the hand touch, right? So that maybe, you know, and, and we would do like 10 trials of this where I would put out the cup and I would go, touch cup and guide, right? Yay, good job. And then I would, you know, let them take their hand back and then I would go, touch cup. And, and I might point to the cup, right? So I'm not actually doing hand over hand and see if the, the child will respond to that. And eventually I would get to the point, maybe on the eighth trial, if I'm being reinforcing enough, on the eighth trial, would touch cup and the child would go, okay, I don't know why you go crazy when I touch this thing that I don't know what it is, right? They don't have to understand that it's a cup yet. We're building blocks, right? And they're getting it right, which means they get to the reinforcement. So errorless learning is making sure that they get it right. You would want to fade that over time. Oh, eventually, uh, you know, I'm going to put three other things up here, and I'm going to say touch cup, and if they go to touch the pen, I'm going to re-guide their hand here and go, yay, <laughs> right? Um, so, uh, you know, at this point, they could have gotten it wrong, right? Because I got a field of three is what they call it. Uh, but in the beginning, we make it really easy. Now, I've shown you something that's really specific, but there are lots of different ways to do errorless learning. Um, <clears throat> sometimes, uh, you know, it's about giving the answer. But the whole purpose of errorless learning is um, to make it so that there is no failure because we know that failure then presents all these other things which slows down learning. Um, one of my favorite things uh, about being a teacher was being able to give the answers to the kids instead of forcing them to go find the answers for themselves. Giving them the answers to it, but then teaching them about it and then asking them what the answers are. And they light up. They light up and they go, oh, this is amazing. And once you've laid that groundwork, then you move on to, so now you know how to do this, so now I'm going to ask you to go find this information. What would you do if you didn't know how to find X, Y, and Z? And maybe you give them the answer to that question too, but you send them to go find it so that they learn, here is how I find the information. Right? It all depends on what you're learning. But errorless learning is exciting. A parents see this sometimes and they go, well, this makes no sense. You're not really teaching anybody something. But you are. You're teaching them that when you get it right, good things happen. Now I'm motivated to learn. And it's all about learning how to learn. So errorless learning, very, very, very powerful tool. Obviously, it looks different with a 14-year-old than it does with a 4-year-old. But it is still important. We use it all the time. Websites use it all the time. Advertisers use it all the time, <laughs> right? Because it's super-duper effective. Uh, okay. 
so that's my spiel for errorless learning. If you, uh, any of you have young kiddos that are learning language uh, and you want to see errorless learning done really well, I want to encourage you to go get the free app that's called Camp Discovery. If you are a card client, you have a code, make sure that you put your code in that matches with your skills account and it will track everything that your child learns in Camp Discovery. Uh, if you don't have, uh, if you're not working with card and you don't have a skills account, you can get a skills account. Go to skillsforautism.com. That does have a, a cost that's associated with it if you're not a card client. But you can do Camp Discovery without that. It just won't track uh, what your child masters when you're not there. Um, but it is a, an app that's a game, and uh, within the app, it, there's a, a little village, and your child can go different places and play different games. And it does a preference assessment at the beginning of it, but then it does errorless learning. Anytime it's teaching a new word, it does errorless learning in the beginning, and you see how quickly it moves from errorless learning to discrete trial um, at, for your child to master it out. It's a pretty... It's, it's the perfect example of how to do it and how to do it well, and it's in a game app, and your children don't know that they're not playing, that they're learning. It's pretty brilliant. That's Camp Discovery. Uh, all right, moving on. We always have a question of the day, not to disappoint. Our question today, and by the way, you can be answering this um, on Facebook. We want to know from you since the beginning of 2020, it's a new decade here and a new year. We want to know what's your favorite segment on Autism Live? What do you love here on Autism Live? What would you love to see more of? And, you know, if you could write in on Facebook right now or on YouTube or however you like to write in, let us know what's your favorite segment. We know what you guys watch the most of, but that isn't necessarily what your favorite is. So uh, let us know what, uh, what, what you like and what you'd like to see more of and always we tell you let us know if there's something that you're missing uh, but you I will tell you because uh, it's all about errorless learning and I, I don't know what the answer is for you but I will tell you that uh, what we glean from what you watch is uh, obviously you love Ask Dr. Doreen and I can completely understand why um, but that you guys also in droves watch when it's separated out uh, the thing that you guys watch the most is our jargon of the day which cracks me up it just totally cracks me up I love it I love it but I wonder is that your favorite segment or is it just the most useful segment I don't know so write in and tell us okay we always have a topic for the week an overreaching topic for the week and our topic this week moving into our third week of the um, the new year is positive thinking uh, the power of positive thinking cannot be understated, right? Um, when we are positive that things are going the way that we want them to, it is a pretty remarkable thing, right? And, and I got to say, uh, there's something that I, when I do talks, um, and I get the wonderful opportunity to talk to parents on a regular basis, um, but I also get to talk to practitioners, uh, to BCBAs, and to uh, autism therapists. And one of the things that I say to those people is how, how much we as parents need to hear the stories of how things go well. And because we need that positive thinking and we need hope. Hope is everything, right? Uh, so we are going to be talking a little bit about positive thinking. And, you know, uh, our guests on the show today are, are going to set us up for success. Uh, this, this is the errorless learning that we've brought you is that we, we've got a, you know, uh, a slam dunk swish 
uh, with our guests today. I'm talking about the fabulous Dwayne and Drew Cox, who are going to be joining us in just a moment. And you're going to love hearing their stories. And, uh, and hopefully, I think that we're going to get to talk to their mom as well. Because uh, I, I want to I know the remarkable person, or one of the, I, I'm assuming one of, but certainly one of the most important people behind uh, what the success that these two young men are enjoying. So stick with us. We're going to take a break, and then we are going to be back with brothers Drew and Dwayne Cox. Welcome back to Autism Live. Now, I told you that we had some inspirational, fabulous young men, and they're here. Uh, I want to welcome for the first time to the show Dwayne and Drew Cox. Um, and uh, Dwayne, I'm going to start with you. Tell us a little bit about you and how old you are and anything else you want to tell us. Well, hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Dwayne Cox. I'm about 22 years old. I'm a recent graduate of Loyola Marymount University. Go Lions. <laughs> I graduated with a screenwriting and history degree. I double majored up. Amazing. And that's really the a basic introduction. That's basically the crux of it. Okay. And then, Drew, tell us a little bit about you. So, um, I am um, a freshman uh, at college at the same college um, as my brother. Um, uh -huh. We decided to go on about carrying the family tradition, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, um, what, I, what I like to do is that, like you said, I like to research um, about various topics. Um, and I always have like um, original outviews of the world and, and like um, the psychology of like, um, just like everything I see, just like how which is human, pretty amazing human behavior, just like functions. That's pretty well. amazing in and of itself. So, what major does that put you under? Although you're a freshman, freshman. so have they forced you to, to decide a major yet? No. <laughs> Matter of fact, yeah, uh, I am undeclared. Okay. Oh, I consider myself Which is a good away. place to yes. be as a freshman. Mm -hmm. And that's perfectly acceptable. And, and especially when you've got a lot of different things that you're interested in, that's a good place to be in. Um, so I, I mentioned that you guys are inspirational and um, you're, uh, you're, you're killing it. You're doing all kinds of really amazing things. And, and the footnote here, and I'm so glad that you introduced yourself and, and described all these things, but it hasn't always been easy for you. There have been some challenges that you've had to overcome. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, there's a word that you guys use. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, the word that your family has, has decided is the important word. So the word that we've decided on is, it's not disability, it's disability, which is short for different ability. And it's not, disability has like this connotation of it's something you don't have or it's something you do have, but it's detrimental to you. Different is just, it's different. It's not the status quo, but it doesn't mean it's detrimental. Yeah. It doesn't quantify something as being good or better or, or you know, it's just different. Um, and so do both of you identify as having diff ability? Absolutely, yeah. and I would echo what Dwayne said. Mm -hmm. um, and so talk to me a little bit about some of the challenges that you, because I'm looking at you now and I see two amazing, handsome, articulate young men who are in college. Uh, so this is like the very definition of success for people your age, right? 
Um, and so I'm not, you know, I think the, the passers-by or people just tuning in would go, hey, look at these two amazing gentlemen, but they're, de they're defining themselves in this other term. There's clearly more going on. What were the challenges that you faced before getting to where you are not now, and are you still facing challenges in this moment? Who wants mm -hmm. to answer first? Do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Okay. Go ahead. Because I already have this long run my mind already. So, okay. um, so I used to struggle with reading comprehension. I used to go to um, organizations in which that would help me enhance my reading ability. Um, I did, however, excel in math. Um, we touched very well in science in middle school, which I'm really mad at. But um, <laughs> what can you do, right? Yes. And like, um, and ever since like um, I've been struggling with reading, um, I just want to uh, acknowledge the elephant in the room. Yeah. So, uh, Miss Gen Miss Jennifer, who is my uh, who was my reading tutor, has helped me um, just uh, build up my uh, reading capacity for um, for like three years. And so um, I've gotten better at reading ever since. Uh -huh. And so, um, and as far as writing, um, I had great ideas, just like poor organizational skills. Interesting. And so um, how I enhanced that is that I kept on like writing, just like writing papers for like teachers that, um, that assign me to do writing assignments. And then um, now I go from writing C level um, essays in high school mm -hmm. to writing B, uh, A plus um, essays in like college. Wow. And that, and, and I, um, and I specify that for comparative theology. Um, the lowest I got was a B minus. Amazing. Yeah. But now, early on, you were described as, uh, some people have described you as being quiet. Yes. Um, and, and sometimes there is the preconceived notion that if somebody isn't saying a lot, that they don't have a lot to say. Clearly, that is not true. Uh, and I think people who watch our show know that, you know, we say to that. Um, you had a lot to say and you had a lot going on, but you weren't necessarily conveying that to people. Is that accurate? Yes. Um, Absolutely. And for parents that are watching the show right now that have kiddos that aren't um, being as vocal about things that are happening, um, what, what would you say to them? What was going on with you when you're quiet and even now when you are being quiet? Tell them a little bit about what's going on inside for you. Well, what's going on inside is the fact that I'm um, thinking of how I would want to handle the situation. Uh, before execution. Yeah. And so we always, um, there's always this idea of like think before you do um, or think before you say because you may end up um, just like um, just like execution, executing a reaction in which um, you would likely uh, regret executing but then if you thought about um, the plan like beforehand, then you'll get a better result. 
So here's the irony in that you've just described being mindful. Yes. Which is something that we're all trying desperately to do. And you were being mindful and sometimes people mistook that for not having ability. I yes. just want us all to like resonate in that for just a moment. Like we're all trying to get to that point of what exactly you're talking about, being mindful. And yet we have to leave room in our lives to recognize when someone does not immediately answer or have uh, even have the wherewithal to answer the question that we have, perhaps they've already achieved the thing that we're going for and we have to be a little patient um, to hear what the answer is. So that's pretty remarkable and inspirational in and of itself. Um, and so same question for you in terms of, the, you had some challenges early on, um, and, and what were those challenges? So, believe it or not, for the longest time as a kid, I didn't have vocal ability. I couldn't speak. I had to go to a uh, speech therapist mm -hmm. for when I was at a really young age. Um, so... It's funny because, so I'm the reading history research guy. He's the math and science guy. And you will never meet a more meticulous or work ethic driven person. Mm -hmm. he, when he wants something, he goes to grab it. Like, and he does not, he's very resolute in that. He's serious business over oh, he's there. serious business. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love oh, yeah. that. Mm -hmm. I love that. But so, you seem pretty serious business to me, too. When I'm given a, a goal... And a job. Siri's talking to us. Siri. Siri, Siri thought that was interesting enough to she wanted to be a part of it. Alexa interrupts our house all the time. Is that a thing? Oh yes. my okay. gosh. All right. <laughs> but, uh, to answer your original question, so I, I had some speech uh, issues as a kid, and they got better as um. So I watch. It's it's a it's a funny little quirk I have is that I watch movies with subtitles even though I can hear it perfectly. Mm -hmm. Which is just something, it actually got me through spelling. It's, it's, it's how I taught myself to spell. I would just watch movies in, in, in English, but with English subtitles, just because, you know, just so I could spell things. Yeah. So that was something that I had, I had to teach myself. Um, I didn't, I had pretty good uh, reading comprehension teachers, but they didn't get especially good until my, my high school because high school there was a definitive there's a definitive shift between my write, reading and writing ability in middle school and then the one post high school which is thanks to if you're going to watch this Candace Kelsey and Fawn Campbell thank you my, those are my high school teachers I ah. to shout out. <laughs> um, so they basically taught me the ins and outs of all the, the reading comprehension thing but challenge wise the most significant challenge for me today has always been social interaction. Mm -hmm. For the longest time throughout my middle school years, it didn't really matter as much because I had, I felt that my job at school was essentially to go in, get the grades, pass the class, get out. And the more aware of the world I became, the more my passion for the entertainment industry grew. Mm -hmm the more I realized that the entertainment industry is not really something one can get to completely by themselves. Yeah. It's all about a who you know and how you know them. Yeah. So there was a little bit of a curve that I kind of had to sort of fall into. Not to mention the fact that I had gone to schools where primarily most of the students had already known each other. Mm -hmm. I was actually, from in my high school, I was the only student from my particular school 
that carried on into that particular that particular institution because all the other ones came from the same middle school. Interesting. So that was I kind of had to fight an uphill battle with that. Were do you feel like by the end of high school you were successful with that, or was that something that you had to take to college? To work on, I was successful enough to a point where uh, I got some rec- I got I got some recognition from teachers, mm-hmm. and I didn't walk away from any en- with any enemies in high school. So that's actually that's I didn't impressive. count that as a plus. Yeah, that's a plus. Um, in college, it was a different mentality of get in, pass the class, get out, and you know, with all the insanity that college courses ask of you you kind of have to sort of put a lot of the social life on the back burner. So I tried to remain social. I tried to, I went to like different events or as much events as like my grooming work schedule would allow. But I, I, I made most of my friends through acting and, and theater stuff. And, and what got you into that? I, so this is, um, so this is a bit of a story. So first grade, I somehow write a poem that amazes the teacher. I'm only in first grade. Mm-hmm. It amazes the teacher to the point where I have to, I have to perform it <laughs> in front of the whole school. Not the class, the whole school wow. and their parents at the night auditorium that thing. And I'm in first grade. Wow. So I get up, through tears I say it, run off crying. But since then, the more and more of these, I realized that it wasn't all that bad. And the more I started getting out in front of crowds, the less of a fear I got of them to the point where public speaking is a very scary thing for pretty much anybody. Yeah. But I really lost any fear of like huge crowds. That's amazing. That's amazing. I lost any fear of huge crowds. And plus in theater, I just felt like, there's so much in autism where you have to be told, no, you can't do it this way. No, you can't do it that way. This, in theater, they basically encourage you to sort of let loose a little bit more and just allow you to fully uh, encapsulate a part of yourself that you normally can't get to in real life. And plus, a lot of other people are just trying to find themselves the same way you are. So yeah. you can actually talk to more. So you found friends, you found a community yes. with the theater kids, which I think a lot of people do. I, that's That was my story, by the way, too. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, that, my master's degree is in theater, and I used to teach college theater. Um, so I'm, I, I'm all about theater as a great tool for all kinds of things. And I love hearing that that's where you found friends in a community, because I think a lot of people do. Do you continue to, obviously you're a screenwriter, and, and a graduate screenwriter. So do you continue to yourself participate in theater and acting or just as a writer? Well, I did not join the theater aspect in college as much as I would have liked to. Okay. See, I was initially going to be a theater minor was okay. the thing. But due to um, some encouragement, I was... and that banked on my love of history, I decided that in case the screenwriting thing didn't work out, to have history as a potential there you go. potential fallback idea. So I did not actually get as encompassed with like the theater stuff as I would have liked to. But now you're a graduate. Yes. So what's the plan now? 
Well, I've been actually auditing some acting classes, but we are in such a transition transition phase with where Drew and I are with living situations mm -hmm. right now that we're yeah. in such a, like a transition phase that it's hard for me to sort of nail down any one particular, but I've audited a few acting classes okay. and I've gotten a few tidbits from different ones. All right, very exciting. And so you're a freshman in college now. Yes. Um, so you you got you know what your plan is for the next couple of years. You know where you're going to be and what and and we don't know quite yet what you're going to be majoring in, but you know where you're going to be. Do either of you want to talk a little bit about what the long term goals are for you, like where you see yourself in five years, where you see yourself in ten years? And it's okay to not know. Like most people don't know, <laughs> but do you have a dream of what you want to do in your life? A definite dream, not really. Okay, but you got interests, things that you know that you're interested in. And that's that's yes. a good place to be as a freshman. Uh, but what about what the big dream is screenwriting? Well, yes, honestly, a a big dream would be possibly would be more the theater aspect. But you know, screenwriting is like a potential route in. Yeah. Um, I, I've always loved, in screenwriting, the funny thing about it is, it's such an isolating, uh, it can be a very solitary process. Yeah. You have to essentially be in your own house with your own thoughts. And I always found that when I had accountability partners in screenwriting, like in a writer's group, I had the most fun there. Yeah. So to answer your question, I would want to stick with theater if, if, if nothing else, just to have the camaraderie. So... I want to have developed a bunch of skills. So I want to be able to learn how to audition. I also have a bit of an attraction to potential voice acting. Yeah. Um, I've never, I've never really thought about musicals too much because as a kid, I, I'm going to confess, as a kid, I really didn't like musicals, if not because I was the type of guy who just wanted them to get to the point. Yes. And I know how, I, I understand now that, you know, it's about, ex musicals are about exemplifying the point. Right. But that was just more like the, can we just move this right along? That's just my own thing, though. Right, right. So, <laughs> I did do a musical in high school, and I grew to appreciate them much more. And so, maybe I could potentially do singing or whatnot, but I know I'm a lyricist. I know I have okay. written myself stuff. Well, I love that. Um, and so, we touched briefly on, on the friend issue. Yes. Um, I loved, by the way, hearing you say that wh what I just heard you talking about is that you enjoy the collaborative part of the arts more than the solitary parts of the arts, yeah. or at least appreciate it in a different way. And what a wonderful thing. Um, and I hope everybody noticed that as well, too. Because I think a lot of times there is this myth that um, folks who have a diff ability in this particular arena um, would prefer to be more solitary. And I, in my experience of this world um, and, and being a mother of a son in this world is that, that nothing could be further from the truth. Mm -hmm. uh, that most time people really enjoy the interaction with other people. Um, so let's talk a little bit about friends. And, you know, obviously you were saying it was a little bit difficult coming to a high school when other people knew each other um, and you didn't. But where are you guys now in terms of friends? Do you feel like that? I know that you participated in the peers program. Is that correct? Yes. Was it yes. helpful to you? Very. Like, um, like the the length of like um, the program was um, perfect. Like everything was just on point. Like um, supervisors were um, very helpful. Um, I felt like I got a lot out of it, and um, and just utilizing those skills um, yeah. I now obtained. 
And for people who don't know, the Peers Program is um, about, uh, usually it, it, um, there's uh, two courses that are happening at the same time. Um, so it's teens and young adults who are learning about how to engage socially successfully with their peers. Um, and at the same time, parents and caregivers are taking a course that complements that so that uh, sometimes homework that is given to the students to, to complete a task, parents are given uh, homework that kind of coincides with that so that we get to social interactions successfully. Um, so I love hearing that you enjoy. And so do you feel that okay. you have more Can friends? I add yeah, more to that? add more to it. Absolutely. Okay. So, um, so it was in high school, and uh, I remember my mom distinctly telling me, Oh, God, Drew, oh, God, oh, man, he's going to go into high school by himself. Oh, man, what a timid, shy person he is. He is very special, indeed. He is very brave. And so I remember uh, walking, <laughs> walking, like, um, to, like, an, like a, it was like a gym filled with 250 people just surrounding my butt. Just saying, like, oh my goodness, I feel very shy. Yeah, it was a little intimidating, a little right? intimidating, but they were super nice. And it's like, um, it was Peninsula High School, uh, just a reminder, uh, in case yeah. I didn't mention that earlier. But um, long story short, um, I, kinda, I had the same mentality Dwayne had um, as far as uh, just gaining the grade, uh, gaining a good grade just passing on the class and then just going about my day. Um, but I decided at the 10th grade, I made um, a commitment to myself, I'm going to stop being shy. Oh. And so that's when the peer programs started to come into play. And so now, do you feel like you have friends and that you know how to get friends and keep friends? Yes, I'm um, a lot more social than... Uh, than I ever was before. Lovely. And do you feel like you have that network too? I've learned that in today's day and age, you know, that in today's day and age, there's a very confusing term of what friend actually oh, yeah. means. Like, you can have like a million followers on like Instagram or something like that, or like Facebook friends, friends. But, you know, the, the amount of people that would actually go the distance for you, you can yeah. probably count on like one hand. Sure. So I definitely do have people that would. Most of my friends consist of like our blood relatives or blood cousins because yeah. I know that they have our back. But I did meet a couple, a couple people. I did meet a couple people. Um, uh, I met people through my improv group uh -huh. in college. Um, some people through my screenwriting group, and you know, it's funny because it's kind of hard to have friends if they're not like in your major because yeah. we're all going in like our different separate directions. Yeah. But um But you've got friends. I do have friends. Which is a, yes. a wonderful thing. That's an important thing. Now there have been a couple of times that you guys have referred to this work ethic that you guys have about, you know, I'm gonna do my grades, I'm gonna do what I gotta do, um, and how diligent you guys are. Uh, I briefly got to meet your parents uh, when you guys came in, and they seem like two amazing people. Yeah, uh, let's awesome. talk a little bit about how, what did they do that helped set you guys up for the success that we see here? Because does this work ethic come from them? Mm 
What did they say to you to, and what did they do with you to get you to the point where you wanted to do the work? Mm. So for me, it was more internal motivation more than external okay. motivation. So I felt some, something inside me that says, hey, if I don't put in the work, I'm not going to get the result that I would dream for. I, I have to work on just, just to get it. And, um, and I don't have like uh, my parents telling me, okay, Drew, come on, you got, you got to do your work. You got to do your work. I was always the one that would like often stay up late, like, um, like 1 o'clock a.m. just to get the work done. And so um, I, was, I had that discipline even when I was in the fifth grade and um, my parents were homeschooling me. So, um, so I remember my dad telling me, oh, hey, um, it wasn't the other way around. It was always Drew just uh, making sure that mom gets settled so <laughs> that he can say, oh, hey, hey. I was like, hey, hey. You know, hey mom, we gotta stay on point. We gotta stay on point. <laughs> hey, look at the time. It's my lunch. It's my lunch. Where's my lunch? So I want you, my chicken you were running soup. the schedule. I want my yes. chicken noodle soup. <laughs> I love that. I want my uh, apples. I want my cereal. On this, on this time. Yeah. So you were I, I a little wanted, taskmaster yeah. running the homeschooling <laughs> yeah. program. I see. Yes. I see how it is. Yeah. yeah. He tells me at college that he gets up around 5 o'clock in the morning just to get his workout in before wow. he even goes through the rest of the day. Wow, that's yes. some discipline. But what about for you? How do you think your parents have set you up for success? The real question is how haven't they, if the truth is. Because they go above and beyond I for see. pretty much everything. They, they, they always made sure I too. had you know, the, the best possible um, advisors to get in. They made sure that I had the accommodations that I needed. They fought tooth and nail to get me a single, which is how I was able to keep my sanity a lot in college. Um, they, they just fought tooth and nail to make sure that I had the, um, the aids that I needed. And the, the thing that inspired me was that they went above me on not just for what I do for work, but also the fun stuff. You know, they've taken us, they've taken the two of us to, I think, almost, five of the seven continents, you know, we've been traveling a lot yeah. yes. thanks to them and they're only, we're only able to do what we want because they do what they have to. Mm -hmm. So we realized that throughout the, that the, the payback for that or the payback was to, was just to, at the very least, was go and do the work. That was our job. Mm -hmm. And when we, and I treated school as if it's a job. So when you do the job, you earn the play. You know, play, work hard, play hard. So, you, so that's why I always push myself to try to do, do the job well. Because if I don't do the job well, chances are I wasn't, wouldn't be able to play as well. So that... It was all worthwhile for you. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. So for people who are watching and who are looking at you guys like I am and just going, oh, wow, amazing, inspirational young men... Uh, what advice would you give to parents who have young men at home that are perhaps on the spectrum and are, are facing certain challenges? Um, you know, what, what would you say to parents about what they need to do to help their sons? Mm -hmm. 
I think okay I have if you something. Don't have it. You got something? Okay. Yeah. So um, I would say um, to check in with the environment to see if um, if he or she is um, okay with the environment. So if it like best uh, suits if it best suits him or her. And so um, that's one tip. Uh, I'll expand on that later. Um, okay. Second tip would be um, to, uh, to check your tone. It's very easy to, um, very easy to get um, so um, high in emotions that uh, you'll end up stressing the, ch the child out. And so what you will want to do is that you will want to keep a calm, attentive tone uh, when you're speaking with your child. Wow. And so um, that always um, worked for me. And, um, and that doesn't just work for kids on, on the spectrum. It works for anybody. You'll get, you'll get a much better result if you, uh, if you regulate the tone that you use with your job. I love so, that. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to the environment, though, because people yes. may not know what you mean by the environment. Yes. So, so what do you mean? Like, give us an example, maybe, of how an environment may not be okay for someone. So, uh, for example, um, Dwayne, you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Dwayne uh, used to uh, cover his ears because the music was too loud yep, for him. this is very true. Yes. I had auditory things. Mm -hmm. yes, yes. Um, the church um, and I remember this moment it was at um, the dwelling place and so I'm gonna Amazing say we love, we love you guys. I'm gonna say shout out to like all all them um, followers um, so I'm gonna shout out to y'all uh, especially Pastor Lincoln if you're watching this shout out to y'all what's up <laughs> and Caleb and so but it got a little bit loud for you? It yes. did, yes. Uh, in earlier years when I was a kid, the acoustics would kind of like hurt my ears a little bit. But I had a very sensitive, um, a very sensitive response to loud sounds, which is actually something common among people on the spectrum. Yeah. There's a, sensi a sensitivity to mm -hmm. very incredibly loud noises. So... And so checking in with the individual, because, you know, I would imagine that if you were in a loud environment for an extended period of time, at a certain point, anybody would engage in behavior to say, I want out. And, and if we felt like that wasn't being heard, that behavior would just escalate into potentially what others would look at and go a tantrum or a meltdown. But if we check in with the person about the environment, is the environment okay for you, we can maybe head that off at the pass. Am I in the neighborhood of what you were trying to say? Yes, yeah, so, and, and also um, that's like one that's like one of the triggers. Um, people in the spectrum are like very different and respond differently. So um, always good to keep that in mind. Um, and also um, some people on the spectrum um, are sensitive to bright light in their eyes. So um, that itself is um, another, um, another catalyst for um, what would say erratic behavior or just unusual behavior that would go completely into chaos so yeah. we always just want to um, just want to check in to see how how your child is doing and um, I uh, couldn't you know. look at strobe lights yeah, because so. I was uh, I had epilepsy yeah. as a kid 
And then yeah. that's a common thing that can cause uh, seizures. So I, and to this day, strobe lights still make me a bit wonky, a little bit lightheaded. Yeah. I mean, I haven't had seizures in eight years, praise God, but. Yeah. And did, uh, this personally, you don't have to answer this. Is that, are you on medication for that or? I used to be, okay. but somewhere around, I want to say, Somewhere, I think it was the end of my middle school, like eighth grade, the seizures just stopped. Okay. At some point, the seizures just stopped. Um, um, they, they used to be, I used to run the risk of having them whenever I went to sleep, but at some point, they just stopped. What a wonderful uh, thing. Yeah, absolutely. And what a wonderful thing for people to hear that that's a potential. Yes. That's a potential potential out outcome. So a potential outcome. Yes. Uh, well, that's a wonderful thing. We're really happy to hear about that. Thank you. So, and for um, for the viewers that are watching that um, are themselves uh, identify as being on the autism spectrum, what do you anything you want to say to them about how you how you look at this? Because I think the way you language things and say this diff ability is powerful. Um, so what advice do you want to give to them about being able to do what you want to do and, and how you guys have been successful? Mm. Um, well, there is um, something that I was, I'm kind of writing like a little book whatnot about my experiences. There was something I was going to say for it, but maybe I'm just going to try it out here. Just, okay. okay. Just, and this, don't give it all away because save yeah. it for your book. But So <laughs> there's a theory that I have about how the world kind of perceives people on the spectrum and how, and this is also factored into how media is portrays people on the autism spectrum, which is a whole other conversation in and oh, of yeah. itself. But I've realized that I could potentially explain how people on the spectrum sort of work in terms of in terms of an etch a sketch. See, it's not like a Rubik's cube or something. I say etch a sketch because. You know how in Etch-a-Sketch, it's a very old tool. You saw them a lot in doctor's offices. You basically have to, you turn one knob, it goes up or down. And you turn another one, it goes left or right. And I didn't realize this until further research, but if you turn them both a certain direction, only then could you get a curve. I realized that, and people in the spectrum may understand where I'm coming from with this, that we do work in very rigid lines, up or down, left or right. And... You know, as you were talking about changing the environment and yes. transitions, oh, transitions yeah. represent the little turns. Yeah. But when you master the turns, then you have people that create the giant, you know, the huge, like, art pieces on Etch-a-Sketches. You've seen them yeah. done on the whole thing. So my advice to anybody who's on the spectrum was... Do not be, do not feel that you're defined by how others define you, is the thing. That's the important thing, because they don't know how you think, but it doesn't mean that you're not thinking, obviously. And so, and yes, there are people who are a little bit less, um, on, less low functioning than most, but they're still thinking. They're just yeah. not demonstrating it in a way that is acceptable to society. So I would actually challenge society 
to try to make things a little bit more easier for them in a sense. Amen to all of that. Amen to all of that. Is there anything you want to add? Or you yes. And, uh, yeah, just to add what Dwayne said, um, I feel as if everyone, whether you're on the spectrum or not, should do things at your own pace and um, whatever works for you. And so um, I know that, uh, um, that in this world, there's, life's just full of like, full of hustle. You just gotta get this done at that time and there's like a sudden deadline. Um, and then there's always these, um, these little um, maxis about procrastination or like, you know, having to meet a certain deadline. Um, I've been, um, myself, I've been watching um, TED Talks, and um, if you ever heard of TED Talks, so yeah. you ever heard of if you haven't heard of TED Talks, um, everyone who's listening, uh, recommend watching those. Those are like very informative, and uh, they're on YouTube, um, give them a shot. Anyway, um, I not only uh, listen to TED Talks, but I also just absorb like what I can get from that. And one of those TED Talks um, show, um, was saying about procrastination and how there's really no such thing as a non-procrastinator. Um, I think everyone here is procrastinator. Yeah, I'm looking at all you. No, no, you're, not, you're all good. We're you're good. Okay, okay, yeah. But, yeah. You know They're telling me that we're essentially out of time. But I, before we started talking, we br I briefly spoke with your parents, and I was trying to get them to come in here, too. But I completely understand why they're totally wanting you guys to speak for yourselves, right? Totally get mm -hmm. that. Although they're a wealth of knowledge, too. They mm -hmm. said, just because I know you guys are going to write in and ask, they said that the one of the most incredible things that they were able to do that they felt felt led to success was that they worked as a team which and they yeah. expressed how lucky they were to have each other to be a team and that there were lots of different that there was always somebody that they met along the way who wanted to help and you guys have identified that you had teachers that helped yes. you you identified that church has been helpful to you that taking theater classes has been helpful you identified speech and the peers program uh, they're going to ask me, the writers are going to, the viewers are going to write in and ask, did you guys get ABA therapy? Did, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, what? ABA therapy? Did you guys get any ABA therapy? What, 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 I'm sorry, what you... So ABA therapy is a very specific type of therapy, um, and, and maybe you didn't get it, if you're surprised, or maybe, maybe yeah, you didn't I've, know I've that that's what it was I've called. Did you ever have one-on-one -on -one people that worked with you outside of school on, on anything? Yes, I okay. did. I did have some people that, that did hang out with me um, a little bit after school just to either work on homework or just okay. to work on certain things. You know, I did have outside aids in terms of that. Okay. And did you have any of that as well? Um, well, then, well, other than, um, um, like I mentioned, uh, Miss, Miss Jennifer as my tutor and... There's also Linda Mood Bell, uh, which is another organization okay. that was responsible for um, enhancing my reading comprehension. Wonderful. That's good to hear, and too. And so, um, I'll know, I'll know, I know we're past the question of what I would want to, like, tell the parents, like, tell everyone. Uh-huh. But you can, if you've got but something yeah. to say, go ahead and yeah. say it. So, um, parents, 
uh, children, this is to like all of you. Um, if you want something in life, you gotta go get it. Like, don't let no one tell you otherwise that you can't have it. And so, it's not it's not necessary that the um, the people who you hang around with do influence um, how you would um, function in life. And so, what I would want to say to all of you is that. You hang out with the right people, and you have a positive attitude about life, um, no matter how hard it gets. I don't, I don't care if you, if you got to like, you know, write, get some extra practice. You know, you want to go, you know, above and beyond what you, um, what you feel, um, what you feel is um, is right um, to obtain. You just gotta go get it. Whatever it might be, you just gotta go get it. It's a competitive world. Um, um, I personally believe that uh, from a philosophical and a somewhat um, astrological point of view, there's two realms. There's the realm of competition and the realm of life. And, and I was uh, recently writing about this. So in the realm of life, um, the result um, isn't as important as the intentions, like how, um, how you treat others is very important than just the end result, like what do you get out of it. And in the realm of competition, the intention isn't as important as the result. You just get it, you just drive, you just work for it, and that's it. We're and all sitting here saying, wow. Yeah, right. no, this is literally the first time he's... he's, he's this is one of my composition like journals, by the way, journal entries wow. on my own free like, time. I've, I've, lived with this kid for, I've, I've lived with this kid for over 22 years. He still finds a way to shock me. Right? Uh, pretty amazing. Amazing stuff. I, I think you have an uh, inspirational speaker on your chart of things to do. Oh, uh, yes. Because you yes. just brought us there right now. Uh, we're at the beginning of the year, and I just don't know how it gets any better than this, you guys. Uh, so if there's something else you're looking for, I don't know what, because this, this is pretty amazing. Thank you guys so much. Will you please promise us that you'll keep us posted on the things that you do? Absolutely. absolutely. Yes. I'm, I'm, uh, hopefully I'll be, I'm, I'm going to say this because it's a goal i got to say it out loud. Okay. I'm hopefully going to have this, this book called... Uh, Perspectrum that I'm writing. Hopefully, I'm gonna have like a first draft for it by June. Okay. It's gonna have like a whole detailed thing. It's gonna be a mix of uh, comedy, uh, wow. music. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a mix of uh, things, and uh, hopefully, I'm gonna have that hopefully by June. Okay. So I'm gonna make that a a goal of mine that I'm gonna have. I so, can't wait to see the films that you make too. So. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here. We've gone thank a little bit over time. Trayvon's telling us. me yes. we've got to get the hook here. Um, so I'm just going to close from here. But thank you guys so much for being with us um, for this really special time with these two incredible young men. I uh, want to tell you uh, that this week is going to be a big week. I don't know when this week, but we are having uh, the director of the new uh, Pixar film, Loop, um, is going to be joining us um, this week on the show. Oh, and this is the first film that we are aware of that features a nonverbal character 
um, as the lead character in a film. I've seen it. It's amazing. Um, and so we're so excited that she's going to be with us. Yeah, going to be with uh, us here okay. to talk about that. Plus, we I believe that we have asked Dr. Doreen. It's going to be a great week. So stay tuned. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>